when I left my proper job, not my proper job, my, my, my other job. <laughs> yeah, what are these, not proper job? We're just winging it now, aren't yeah. we? Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and literally anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be interviewing Lars Clint, who'll be talking about going from running a business back into full-time employment. So, how's it going, Kevin? Are you, uh, you getting much sleep at the moment? Um... Not really, no. Um, no it's, it's tough. We've still got the, the little boy at home, but I'm still trying to get stuff done. So um, we're getting, it's, it's quite good to go because I feel, because I've had a, you know, a few weeks off with potentially, I'm sort of getting back into the swing of, you know, of, of the, the stuff I'm doing with sort of timber beam calculator. So we're sort of cranking down with that now when I sort of get the beaters launched soon. So we're just working cool. on, on those. But yeah, no, it's, it's good actually. It's good to have the time off, but I feel ready to, to do stuff now. So timber beam calculator, is that a UK focused product or is that a US one? It's a UK um, focused product, this particular okay. one. And this is sort of something that a lot of our customers have been requesting for years. So it, we just got to finally just get out there and, and build it and get it launched. But the only thing is what we what we found is we, we launched a beta version of the timber beam calculator and then we found that people wanted a lot of other tools as well. So we're going to sort of relaunch the beta again, but with a suite of like six different tools. Okay. So basically I had to rebuild the product times six. <laughs> it's right. like it's like it's got mission creep a little bit, um, uh, but it is really nice what we've done, and we've just got to sort of just do a bit of testing, get it launched a beta, do some more testing, and then get it launched as a as a product. So we've got to, the other thing we've got to think about how we integrate that with our other products in terms of how it fits with pricing and because and, and, this could be a product on its own, or it could be sold in addition to the steel beam calculator product that we do as well. So we've got to think how that works. Oh, so if you're, you're a pure product of one, you might get a discount on the other. Yeah, yeah, we'll offer some kind of like joint package for both, or if you just need to buy one, there'll be a price for that. And but obviously you got, we can't make the pricing too complicated because it, it sort of detracts from the pricing page if you, if you make it overly complicated. So right. I think how that, how that works, because that, that's critical really. Um, as to how that works but yeah so that's what we're working on what, what are you working on at the, at the moment Steve? So I finished my procrastination course for Plural Sites so that's going through their oh, final okay. peer review and sort of hidden process behind the scenes of the stuff they do before they release a course cool. uh, I'm in the process of recording my social engineering course so I'm hoping to have that out um, very soon Okay, yeah. yeah. What does that entail, social engineering? What, um... So this, well, this, is a, this is one of their well, Plural Sites executive briefing courses. So it's aimed very much at you know, CEOs, CTOs, that kind of level. Okay, yeah. yeah. It talks about the problems of impersonation and manipulation within organisations. But, okay. fo- but the focus is purely on, on the CEOs. It's like, you know, the kind of steps that an attacker could go through to try and um, steal the identity of a CEO. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it kind of gives some practical advice about how they can mitigate against that. Okay. And yeah. also advice that they should be um, getting their um, staff to learn as well. 
Perhaps I should read that and do that course. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it's a, it, should, it should be quite good. But yeah. It's one of the executive briefing courses, so it's designed to be really short because you know a lot of these busy executives don't have a lot of time. They're not going to sit down and watch a two-hour course. Yeah, they just need a, a brief overview of, 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 of that subject. Yeah, so, so the first exec briefing course I did was on blockchain, and it was about 18 minutes long. Okay, and it's doing really well. It's got really good ratings on Pluralsight. It's probably good for you know for high-level people that want to get a brief overview of that subject, but they haven't got days to spend reading books. Yeah, or doing it's, it's giving yeah. you know small focused doses of information. Yeah, to yeah, it's a game for sort of quality over quantity, isn't it? So it's being really concise, yeah. isn't it? But it's a it's, it's a bit different to normal pluralsight content. So I, you know I've got to set. I mean, this is why I've got uh, masking tape, triangles, and squares all over my floor oh, in the no. office. <laughs> what are they for then? So the. The, the big triangles are where I need to set the lights up. So you've got like a, a fill light, a key light, a fill light, and there's one by the door, which is where is I have, to put, where I have to put the back light. Okay. And then each of the lights, I've got measurements written on the back, so I know how tall the tripod has to be and what angle it has to oh, be. Oh, God. At. Okay, yeah. So I can get a consistent setup every time. And then the, the, the three small squares on the floor are where the legs of the tripod goes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, I've got a, a teleprompter, and then the camera sits behind the teleprompter. Okay, yeah. So I've literally got the script going up the screen in front of me. So, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's you know, a bit of a logistical nightmare, but it's mm. you know, I should be able to record and edit in one day. Wow, okay. Yeah, as yeah. Well. Uh, so apart from that, I've you know, recently got back from Malmo in Sweden at the Eurodev con- conference. Okay, yeah. Which was, uh, which was good. It was my last, last event of the year. Yeah. So I've now got nothing booked until January. And, but more importantly, what I'm trying to do is I'm... I mean, literally, as this episode goes out, we, you know, we come to the end of November... And I'm trying to get all my work completed by the end of November. Because for December, I pretty much want to not take the month off. But I want to not work on normal projects. Yeah, yeah. So there's several things that I just want to sit down and try and learn. And there's a few little projects or projects and product ideas that I want to play around with. So I'm going to take kind of like a bit of a kind of working sabbatical. In okay, December, yeah. Just yeah, explore some new idea. ideas. Yeah, so as you say that, because December's traditionally my quiet month um, in the sort of construction industry December sort of it dies off a little bit everybody has time off you know most companies shut down for two weeks yeah over, over the over the Christmas period um so what I tended to do is I used to work on sort of new um new projects you know or like uh say if we're building a new tool like a steel beam calculator tool or something when we originally built the steel beam calculator tool we actually built it at that time of year because um, it was my quiet time but now obviously I'm doing that all year round now so it's a bit different now but um, yeah, that's when we used to work on new things. So a bit like yourself, yeah. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good opportunity to take take that sort of time off, isn't it? And well, that's one of the pieces of doing what we're doing. I mean, we talked in the last episode about one of our core motivators is running a business so that we have freedom to do what we want. So I'm, yeah. so I'm now going to pay back on some of the freedom and actually, yeah, just, just do something else for a month. Do something interesting. Not something that interests you. Yeah, that's that's different. Um, yeah, to keep it interesting, doesn't it? And it, 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 it's nice, isn't it, to do new things, isn't it? Yeah, so I've, I've got you know a few little project ideas I want to work on, which in, actually involve me sitting down and writing a lot of code. Because whilst I do a lot of software development-based courses, and I haven't actually written down, sat down to write a definitive product, as it were, for a while. It's always been sort of sample code for the okay, courses. Okay, yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Oh, good. So you're going to do a coding project then? or Yeah, a little coding project, which I'm going to do. Oh, I'm cool. not going to say what it is yet. <laughs> something it's, interesting. It's, it's something that... I'm planning initially, well, the, the core part of it, I'm going to open source. So okay. I'm going to make it available to anyone and then have a set of training guides around it as well, potentially. Okay, yeah. But yeah. 
building on top of that is something I could potentially turn into a small product as well. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. just, I'm still kind of fashioning through what that's going to look like. Yeah, you can have to let us know uh, what, what it is when you launch it. Yeah, and plus, you know, it's December. People kind of don't run, run at full speed over Christmas. No, no, well, sure. I certainly don't. How does that work for your company then? Because you, you, you do a product. I mean, how do you handle support and stuff over Christmas? Or um, To be fair, most people, it, it tends to get pretty quiet. Um, I mean, I've got somebody who does email support for us, so they'll probably do a little bit over December. But to be honest, we'll not get much. Like, they might get a lot of email or something, you know, but we don't get the phone calls and etc. You're not going to get the urgent phone call on Christmas morning where someone's trying to calculate the stuff. No, no, it just doesn't happen. It just, uh, yeah, it tends to shut down for a couple of weeks anyway. But it's, it's time for, to sort of reflect and have a, a, a quiet time, I think. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions uh, before we go into the interview. So the first one is by uh, Faye. And do you ever get worried that it might all go horribly wrong and you have to go and get a proper job again? Um, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it could happen, couldn't it? You know, um, I, I think, feel my anxiety levels I, rising. Yeah, I think I think I try to, because I've got several businesses, um, it'd be quite unusual for all of them to fail all at once, all of the products and all the different things that I do, you know. And to be fair, probably what I would do is get a proper job. Um, probably what I would do is just go and do some consultancy work. I don't know if you're the same. I'd rather do that than do a full-time gig, I think. Um, but I think my products are quite diversified, so I think it would take a lot for them to all collapse. If they, if they did, if I had to get another proper job, it wouldn't be that terrible. You know, I could go and I've done it before. I'm sure I could do it again. It wouldn't. It's not. It's not that bad. If that's the worst case scenario, it's yeah. not actually that bad, is it? Really? No, no, no really. I mean, I'm, I'm the same. You know, I'd, it was always part of my plan actually to incorporate contracting and consulting as part of what I do. I just haven't actually got around to doing that yet. <laughs> still, not, still not done any. <laughs> I'm to put it off as long as I Fair can. Fair enough, I don't blame you. I, I don't need to do it at the moment, which is which is fantastic. But, you know, if things did go wrong and I had to do that, I probably would go down the consulting route. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, for sure. me, one of my goals next year is, like, you know, the, the thing with Pearl site is kind of doing well. You know, I, I need to keep on building courses for it, but that's kind of well established and I'm kind of good at doing that now. Yeah. Um, this year was my kind of trial attempt at um, running proper in-house two-day workshops. Okay. Where yeah. it's actually me physically in front of a class teaching something for two days. Mm. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was kind of apprehensive about whether I'd be any good at it. But I've now delivered a course that I've designed three times now this year. Oh, and in person, and, yeah. And it, it's gone really well. The ratings have been very good. So I want to kind of scale that part of the business up next year. Yeah, I think that's important. To I, I think it's... Um is to diversify your kind of income streams a little yeah. bit. Um, that's, that's how I look at it, you know, so you're de-risking. So I think you tend to find that one one particular thing will do better than the other, so you tend to perhaps concentrate on that more. But I think it's good to have something, not have all your eggs in one basket just in case, yeah. you know. I think if the worst case scenario was if you had to go and get a proper job, it wouldn't it wouldn't be that bad. I don't know. It wouldn't be great. No, I think but, it wouldn't you know, be. I mean, I'd survive, you know. If I, if I had to go back into full-time employment again, I'd rather do it with a small company or a startup. Yeah, yeah. No, I just don't think I could be bothered going back into a large enterprise again. Into a big corporation, yeah. It's it's, it's hard, isn't it? I think you imagine going from having the ultimate freedom doing your own thing to a really tightly regimented enterprise. I know. I keep thinking about this. I think, God, I have to actually turn up on time and stuff, yeah. <laughs> and actually get somewhere every day at a particular time and do as I'm told. Yeah, it would, it would be hard. I think now, and also I think you'd have to. So, you know, somebody else's rules that you don't agree with that are just silly or, or whatever, and you just kind of have to tolerate it because they're, they're paying your salary or whatever. So it is hard, isn't it? And also, you know, they might have different values to what your values are, and it's, it's, it's just it's just strange. But, yeah, I don't think it'd be that terrible. I'm sure I could go and do something else if if, I, if it all went wrong tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I'd just go and do something else. It wouldn't be that bad. 
let's uh, let's hope that doesn't happen for no. you guys. <laughs> So the uh, next question is by a guy called Ted. So hiring an office or a co-working space uh, seems like something that is a that costs a reasonable amount of money. Uh, would it be better just to save that money and work from home? Working from home always seems to be the holy grail for most full-time employees. Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, I have worked from home. Um, up until quite recently, I worked from home. But I think it's good. You can work from home, but it's, it's sometimes hard to separate sort of the sort of home life from work life um it's it's hard sometimes you know if you've got like um family children pets etc you know it's it's hard to sort of sometimes have that concentration at home isn't it and get into work mode i prefer to go somewhere else and be more productive um and it's a co-working space or an office it's it it is obviously it's a cost but in my opinion i think it's worth that cost i don't know how you feel about it no i do i mean when i when i left my proper job a job, my, my, my other job. <laughs> yeah, what well, is not a proper job? We're just winging it now, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, when I left my last job and I worked from home, and I did that for nine months, and I was you know, quite happy doing it. I had a good setup at home, and I was getting quite a lot done. But like you said, I found it difficult to separate between work and home. So there are a few instances where you know the kids will come home from school, but I hadn't quite finished what I was doing, and I'd be yeah. like trying to make the kids tea and then deal with them, and thinking about this other thing which I knew I hadn't finished and that kind of starts getting to you after a while yeah I know it's hard isn't it I, Whereas, think, I think I think some people can work from home it just depends on your situation and, well, and my your... wife's done it for about 13 years yeah I think and, I think, and, you know, I think people do it you know perfectly happy doing it but for me I just found it a bit difficult whereas whilst I don't miss corporate life I've missed the act of actually, you know, getting up and going out to work. Yeah, and the journey, yeah. Yeah, you feel you're getting into work. Sometimes they can be quite isolating working from home as well. It depends what your temperament is. If you're, if you know, if you're a, what do you call people who like being on their own? What's the word for it? People, what do they call it? Introverts. Introverts, yeah. If you're an introvert, <laughs> if you're an introvert um, and, and you don't mind working on your own, it, it, it could be great, you know, and probably you don't have the distractions, you know, of being at home. I mean, um, which you might have, but I still do work from home. I normally do at least minimum one day a week from home, sometimes two. Yeah, I'd, I'd do a little bef- bit. Before the October half term, when my son was ill, so he was off school for the week, so I just worked from home that whole week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends, doesn't it? I think, yeah, it depends. I think you can, it's whatever suits you personally, you know. I think some people are okay being at home and, and power to them, but if, if, if it's a struggle to work at home because of your kind of family arrangements and et cetera, you know, go for it, you know, or if you like, if you like to go to a co-working space and work with other people, or perhaps you might be in an office or co-working space where there's other people that are doing similar to what you're doing and you yeah. can network with them, you can you get advice, you can talk through projects, etc. which you wouldn't be able to do if you work from home or, you know, it might be different, you know, to build those relationships with people. But also, if I, if I didn't go out to a co-working space earlier this year, we wouldn't be sitting here now. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I've met, obviously met Steve, but met met some great people from working in different places and as well. You, you showed me the ropes around the co-working space. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. the kitchen and here's, here's the, the mugs. <laughs> here's, the, here's the microwave, yeah, <laughs> etc. yeah. Cool, okay, so we're going to go into our uh, interview with Lars. So, again, I recorded this one. I was at um, Takarama, so it was just me um, interviewing Lars. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I've I've known Lars for quite a while because we both used to create courses at Pluralsight and me, me and Lars have actually collaborated on quite a lot of courses. But now now he works for a competitor. I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to talk to him, but you know. <laughs> yeah, he's still friends. <laughs> so he's a really nice guy and uh, he's got quite a lot of interesting things to say. So yeah. uh, let's play that digital file and not run the tape. <laughs> run the tape. Let's run the tape. Hello, everyone. And I'm here again at Takarama in the Netherlands. 
in this rather interesting town called Wienendal de Klomp, which is a great name for a town. Um, but I'm joined today by a good friend of mine who I've also worked with quite a lot at Krill site, Lars Clint, who's going to come and talk to us about his uh, career today, where he's got to, or what, how he's got to what he's doing, and what he's doing now. So welcome, Lars. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it's the right. So right are you? Uh, are you all finished at the conference now? You've done all your talks. I have. I did a talk yesterday, which was Tuesday, and I did a talk today, which was Wednesday, um, and that's it for this conference. Brilliant. And you, but you've got another conference Friday. I have a one-day thing on Friday, and then I get to go back to Australia on Saturday. Nice. Mm. So you've been very busy then. Oh God, it's been, been yeah. a bit silly. I had two talks at this conference, and they were both yesterday, so I was absolutely exhausted yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I must admit, I, I dozed off a little bit this afternoon as well. It, it does take a bit out of you to, you know, deliver a one-hour talk. So you're a, you're a Danish chap who's lived in Australia for probably what, the best part of your life? No, last 15 years. 15 so years, okay. The majority of my adult life I've lived in Australia. Okay. Um, which is the typical anecdote of, yeah, I'm going to move there to study and then I'll come back. And then I got offered a job and I never left. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, I did my study and then I sort of got stuck. So what does your what's, what does your career look like? How did you get to doing what you do now? Um, I mean, we can start way back quickly. And it's, I always liked numbers. I was great at maths at school. Um, you know, I was two years ahead in maths and I always thought something with numbers. And at the time, I didn't even consider computing or anything, you know, with computer science. And I thought, well, numbers, surely that's accounting, right? Okay. <laughs> no, no. No, don't. That could have taken um, your life in a very different direction. I did. I worked as an accountant for six months when I was about 20 right. um, at a, my dad's friend's firm. He gave me like an intern job. And I realized that it was not numbers, it was legislation. Accounting right. has very little to do with numbers unless you're a bookkeeper. So I quickly dismissed that and I started um, doing various business degrees. But it, you know, computing was always at the back of my mind. And I finally actually did it quite late in Australia. Okay. So it was a bit of a roundabout way to getting into what I really actually love doing, which is, well, programming specifically, but also teaching. Um, so I'm now, um, I've gone through a path that's probably slightly unusual, I'd say. Um, so out of uni, I got the first job, like we all do. You're happy, you get to write code, uh, you do that every day. And you build stuff and you're proud of what you built because it works most yeah. of the time. <laughs> um, and then um, I, I went on from there to another job and then I got into a consultancy and that was great. And I, I kind of got to a point where I was like, oh, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again. I need, I need something that I can uh, you know, aspire to, something that I can actually go and pursue. This is all sounding very familiar to me. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's probably not an unusual story. Um, the unusual bit will come a little bit later. <laughs> and then I, I got... Um, I was doing just fine in, in consultancy. I'm, I've never been a great programmer technically. I've always liked the programming part of it to build stuff to interact. Mm. Right? I like talking to people, hence I do the conferences. Um, I like teaching and getting people excited about stuff. That's really where my, I guess my force or my, my passion is. Um, so I started thinking about, okay, how can I make more out of this? And as with you, I started doing ProSite courses. Yeah. Um, which, which is, is in fact how which is how we met. It's how we time. met. Actually, the the first time we met was when you saved my bacon by ordering a uh, laptop power supply for me. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I was on a plane. Actually, I was in the airport, about to go on the plane, and the power supply died. 
So by the time I landed, you'd already sorted out the package. Yeah, so I ordered one on Amazon and got them to deliver it to the hotel. So I know. it was there when you got there. It was fantastic. So that was, <laughs> that was, that was the first well, face-to-face meeting. I was like, hey, here's your power supply. Yeah. Um, but no, I started with Pluralsight and it was, Pluralsight has been amazing. Like the opportunities it's provided is just unbelievable. Uh, so I've done 28 courses now, I think, or something. Wow. Um, I have lately jumped ship to a competitor, so Pluralsight's on hold is basically mm-hmm. um, you know, the way that we kind of look at it. I haven't quit. A competitor, am I allowed to talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know, but it's, you know, and we do this in technology, we all yeah. swap around and stuff. Um, but I did Pluralsight for a long time. I definitely didn't think I was good enough to do Pluralsight courses initially. Um, I, you know, the imposter syndrome was very, very, very strong. And then you realize that it's, it's just hard work. Yeah. Most of it is because you have persistence to do the you know, the, the whole thing is what makes it. Not so much that your superior technical ability or stuff, it's because you actually do the work, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, there are experts on the Pluralsight platform. A lot of people are very passionate about it. Um, but it's, it, I don't think it's necessarily a criteria that you are the best in a field to do a Pluralsight course. It's just that you can present it the best, maybe. And you have that dogged determination to get the thing finished. Oh yeah, oh it's it's terrible. People don't see the the, the, the backside of this, right? It's 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 hard work. It's very late nights. It's dealing with recording sound that suddenly is off or slides that are wrong or re-record, like all of this stuff that we all go through, right? So I did that while I was working full time. I did that for quite a while. Um, I got to a point in my life where I didn't want to live in the city anymore. I was. I was progressively actually moving further and further away from the city. So I grew up in the city. This is Melbourne. In Melbourne, yeah, in yeah. Australia. I grew up in the city in Denmark. I moved to the city in Melbourne. Um, I then moved to, well, actually in Sydney initially. And then I moved to another you know, city, Melbourne. And I just ended up moving further and further away. Part of it was that it's cheaper to get houses the further you are from the city. Yeah. But you also get a different lifestyle. Um, I love visiting city. I didn't want to go there every day. I didn't want to live there. So that was a big part of it. And then about four years ago, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm actually going to move to a farm out in the middle of absolute nowhere in Australia. And we did. And with that comes challenging, you know, challenges in finding employment in the developer space, right? Because most of it, you sit in an office. That's a good point because you, you've shown me where your house is on Google Maps and it literally is mm. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I usually explain it to, to take people with like, we live where there's satellite internet, right? And, <laughs> and that usually people go, oh, right. And that was a challenge in terms of, hey, how do I actually make this work? Um, so I changed jobs initially to work from home as a consultant um, for various reasons that didn't work out. And then I started freelancing. Okay. So I went through this whole path of maybe oh, eight years of full-time both as product, as consultant on various projects, um, doing all sorts of different things. Um, and at the same time, I spent an awful lot of time in community things as well. So I've been organizing the DDD Melbourne conference for the past nine years since the start of, not just me, but there's a bunch of us. And that has opened a ton of doors. Mm, this is one of the things that people don't realize often is that being involved in the community doesn't just you know, upskill you. There is that. You learn new stuff, people share ideas, all that stuff. You get a network and mm. it's just, it's invaluable the network that you create, uh, which is one of the reasons that I probably would never leave Melbourne either, right? Okay. You know, my entire network professionally is, a lot of it is in Melbourne. Um, 
So I did that and then from that I got all these contacts with people because everybody knew that I was the guy that was organizing DDD Melbourne or one of the guys that was mm. organizing it. And I thought, okay, freelancing. And I didn't quite know where to start with freelancing. I almost just quit the job and said, no, I'm gonna just work for myself. Right. I had Pluralsight to fall back on. So by freelancing, we're not talking about sort of standard consulting where you go into a company for three months. You're nope. talking more like gig economy style jobs. Absolutely. It's right. chasing one job after the next, right? If you get a job that's three months, it's like, yes, you're right. doing well, right? Um, because the very, very clear disadvantage I had was that I don't go to an office, right? Happy to come in once a week or whatever, if that's possible. And, but I, I do the work from home. Hmm. Um, and I was very clear on that because I did not want to go to an office. And with that was like, okay, you know, I did a talk today about soft skills and it's, it's this determination and it's this having a goal of, no, I'm going to stick to this. And everything kind of falls in line from that because you just focus on the stuff that will make that happen. Right. You're not kind of wavering, um, which because it would be easy to go, oh, it's never going to work. I'll just go work food works or something, right? Um, which is a super bugger. Right. <laughs> I should probably clarify that. So I did that for about four years. Um, I was freelancing with various degrees of success. Um, I was great at doing the work and talking to people. I was not so good at the business side of things. Right. Um, so the thing of chasing invoices, when you are a freelancer of that sort, not on a contract contract, but on a freelancer kind of basis, you are the very bottom of the food chain. Right. right. Um, so I had one, at one point I had $24,000 outstanding for four months, which wow. makes okay. it, That's it hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, right? It's like, okay, I do actually have to pay bills and I got to eat and stuff. So there's all these challenges that come with freelancing. Um, most of the people see is like, oh, you get to work from the top of a hill or a cafe or, you know, rarely people will share the other side of it. So the grim reality is you need to get paid and chase these invoices, but people are late paying you. Yeah, yeah, and and for various reasons, and there's always t- tons of terrible excuses. Um, and then some some people they're fine, you know. Give them, you give them thirty days. Often I wouldn't give them that long because thirty days is a long time, and you mm-hmm. just one, just yourself. Um, but you, I learned a lot. Let's put it that way. Um, there's you know your word and trust and stuff is all very good, but it just doesn't pay the bills, right? Right. So that was a big part of it that I just wasn't that good at. And was there generally a lot of resistance in people allowing you to work from home as opposed to going into the office? That's a, Not, that's a whole visibility thing. Yeah, well, there was. Um, and But that was, there was an easy conversation because I was very clear on it initially. If someone contacted me or I found them, I said, well, this is how it works. Right. And then some would say, oh, no. I go, okay, that's true. That's fine. Um, so I wrote, I also started writing a lot of articles for various publications. Um, I did, you know, I just had a ton of Pluralsight courses. I wrote for Pluralsight. I did questions and blueprints and you know a whole bunch of different things um which was all very interesting to be honest hmm. it was all like i've never done this bit before i'll do that i'll do that i'll do that yeah and i've worked on a few of those myself in fact we actually collaborated on one we did we? yeah yeah um either i can't remember what, i did some questions you reviewed and most the other way around or something yeah i think um, i reviewed them yeah and that that i mean that, that's all knowledge that i really like having so i don't regret anything i've done in terms of the freelancing stuff uh, but then I started working for another company called A Cloud Guru, okay. which is also online training. And I've known these guys for a long time, seven, eight years, and I worked with them and I trusted them and they went, hey, you know what, you'd be great at doing this other show we need. 
And I cleared it with Pluralsight legally, okay, am I allowed? And that was all good. And I started doing this show, which is called Future of Tech, which allowed me for a couple of days a month to uh, research a topic of something futuristic, techy stuff, okay. um, such as augmented reality or uh, quantum computing or machine learning, stuff yeah. like that. And then present it on camera in front of you know their platform or on their platform. And I did that for a while, and then they stay initially. They're like, "Oh, would you like to be a full-time author?" I went, "No, no, I work for Pluralsight. It's fine. No, I don't. I don't want a full-time job." And they kept prodding. Right. And eventually, you got to the, "Ah, oh, okay. What are you offering?" Right. And then you start having those conversations. Yeah, so um, you keep asking, and I'll hear you out. Yeah. Tell, tell me what the offer is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because the people are never jerks about it. They just ask nicely because, hey, we really like what you're doing. What do you consider? And then the more they probe you know they plant these thoughts in your heads which is fine i'm not you know there's nothing wrong with that and and then you start okay maybe i should actually explore it. what's involved yeah i mean I can, I can quite understand that i mean if you're going through the pain of having to chase invoices just to get the basic pay in mm. that you're owed yeah versus someone saying well, actually we're going to pay you this attractive salary which yep. you're going to get every month you don't chase us for it yep i can i can hold yeah you know, i can completely see yeah where you're coming from on that totally which is why i thought this would be an interesting conversation because you know you, Certainly on this podcast and in you know all in the media, you hear about people you know living the dream, going freelancing mm, and doing mm, their own thing. But mm. you very rarely hear, you know, if someone has to go back the other way for whatever reasons. Yep. it's just never really spoken about. I yep. found. And it was. I mean, I must admit, I probably would never have taken any other full time position. Certainly not at this time. Hmm. Um, but there was, there was other things. So, so part of when you're freelancer, a lot of it. If, if you don't do the 12 month contracts or whatever, a lot of it depends on your brand. Yeah. Right? People need to know who you are so that when something comes up, you're on their mind or you show up in the Google search or whatever it might be. And I, I'd started building a brand within the HoloLens community. HoloLens being a, a mixed reality device for Microsoft that does really cool stuff. Um, it's very niche though, it's, it's incredibly niche. Um, so within you, when you're in that community, everything's awesome, right? The thing is that there's most people don't either don't know what it is, and a lot of people just go, "Oh, that's cool," but not for me. Yeah, right. So it was really hard. I guess like, a hefty price tag on the Hololens doesn't help. Yeah, is it? there's that, but it, sometimes that wasn't the problem. So I talked to say, a Danish pharmaceutical company, and I was in there. That I gave a talk and I did some training for them, or whatever. And they, that's awesome. We'll do that. We'll buy ten of them and we'll do it all in house, hmm. right? So then you go, oh, right, okay, cool. Nothing happens then. Like you, you, you don't get anything out of it. Or you went the other way and people went, oh, thanks for that introduction. That's really good. Now we'll go with this other you know, authorized design studio. So having a freelance position in that space was really just abs- absolutely um, you know, very, very, very difficult. Uh, a few people would get work from it, but they were also much closer to the customers, which were mainly in America. Right. So that was another part of it. So I thought, okay, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep flogging this dead horse. As much as I love the product um, and the community and the development tools and all that, I'd probably need to think bigger, right? right? And the thing with a cloud guru is that they do cloud computing training, hence the name, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and it made sense that I would use that as a platform to, oh gosh, we, are, we do, are we doing buzzword bingo or bullshit bingo? Um, we can do as long as we explain what they are. <laughs> I was going to pivot. <laughs> wow, that's a... I know. Yeah. It was the best I'm I could come up with. I'm going to take that one off a bingo card. <laughs> no. but, but I would change, right? Dramatically change direction 
from yeah. this very niche hardware product universe to Azure, yeah. Microsoft Azure, which is enormous. There's no way ever you could know everything about Microsoft Azure, right? It's, it's you know, enormous cloud platform. Um, and this is what, what Cloud Guru wanted me to do. They said, hey, we want you to be our Azure instructor or, or the first of several or whatever, yeah. however they pitched it. And I'm like, initially, like, sure, but I don't actually know very much about Azure. Like, I used it as a developer, but I don't know. And they just looked at me, okay. So I guess part of the job is actually learning how yes. to use it yourself. But then the real skill in what we do is then being able to convey it to people right. who have less skills in it than what you had originally. Yeah, and it's it's a big part of when I do courses, especially online when there's no me, as in there's no face on, hmm. um, especially with Pluralsight, is the challenge is to not make it really, really boring. Yeah. Right, it's so easy to just do slide where, you know, till you're dead. Um, so this is the challenge I now have is I have to do certification courses. But it also allows me, again, to, so I was come back to what I said before. You know, part of it for changing was, hey, I need a regular paycheck. That certainly was part of it. Mm-hmm. The other part was also, hey, I need a new platform where I can build my brand, right? Because nothing lasts forever. So you don't put all your eggs in one basket ever. Yeah. And we know this. We do all sorts of things. Um, and that's the other thing I haven't mentioned at all is that, you know, I've run a bed and breakfast and I buy and sell old classic cars and... Um, just because you, you weren't busy enough already <laughs> you know and I run the conference and you know I, I have a user group and I do um, I still work freelance as well on the side for a client um, in Texas of all places you know, so I don't want to leave everything just hey this is the new best thing yeah. Cloud Guru is amazing right now it really works and I'm very very happy with where I am but at the same time I want to build my brand they, very, they want me to build my brand as well they want me to be, hey, when people think of Azure, they think of Cloud Guru and me, right? Yeah, okay. That's the, that's the idea. So there's, there's more than one reason to change. Um, so if you still got the flexibility in that you can work from home on a lot of this. Yes. And that was another big part of it was that because I live where I live, which is really far away. So how long does it take you to get to Melbourne from where you live? So if I go to the office um, from home, I can either drive the whole way, which I tend not to do because it's a waste of time. Right. I love driving. I love cars. It's People may know if they follow me on Twitter or whatever, um, but I don't want to drive for the sake of sitting in traffic. Right? right? I don't like that. So I usually drive the train and take the train in, and it's two and a half hours each way. Okay. Um, but an hour and a half of that is me being able to do stuff on a laptop, so it's not too bad, hmm. um, and it's a choice. So, but it's a long day, you know. I, I leave home at six and I get back at nine or something. So it's just it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's as a, it's very much a conscious choice. It's just one day a week, though. Isn't it's it? It's one day a week. Yeah. Um, so sometimes maybe two days a week, but rarely more than that. Yeah. Sometimes not. You know, once a fortnight. So I guess a large part of that is because you're filming this uh, sort of future of tech show. You actually need to be on, there's that on, yep. on set. That's right. Yeah, that's once a month, and then I also do a weekly show, okay. uh, like a recap of what happened this week in, in Asia. Um, so I do need to be there mm. once a week, and it's, it it is actually nice to go and meet people the same people every week, um, just because it's a good team kind of feeling, right? So introducing Lars back into society. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you know, like, a day at a time. Yeah, they ring me up. Did you shave today? Um, so, <laughs> no, it's, but it is, it is, it's, I am, and a lot of the authors, it, it is the existence that we have um, to a large degree. When you're in that space, authoring online content is a lonely existence to a large mm. extent. 
And if you don't like that, there are options. You can certainly go in if you work for Clugger, you can certainly be in the office every day as an instructor, no problem. There's sound booths and stuff you can record in. But most would not. Yeah. Um, this is something that me and Kevin have discussed in previous episodes. So I class myself very much as an introvert. It yep. doesn't mean I'm shy. I'm no, not, no. I'm not shy at all. I mean, I stood up and say yesterday twice and did a talk. It's yep. fine. Yeah. But for me, I like being by myself. So mm -hmm. I've rented an office and I spend the majority of my working day just me. Mm -hmm. And that suits me just fine. I yep. like that. Whereas Kevin, um, he doesn't class himself as an extrovert. He calls himself an ambivert, which is kind of a, a, bit, <laughs> a bit in the middle. I, like I, I, I don't even know that existed. I think most people probably are. But apparently it's a thing. Where, yeah. But he likes being around people. Yep. So he wouldn't be able to do what I do, which is just sitting by yourself That's right. constantly. And it's, it's interesting, I have this, I don't, I don't remember where I saw this or heard this, but there's a great definition of introvert and extrovert that kind of makes sense. Mm. Is that it's not that introverts don't want to talk to people and extroverts, you know, just go and dance all day. That's not how it works. Yeah. What it means is that an introvert gets recharged their batteries or their energy from not being with people. Yeah, exactly. Extroverts get it from being with people, right? And I think most of our industry probably do like being on their own. Um, there's always exceptions. I really, I get energized from doing a presentation. Yeah. Although I'm tired, it's still like it's a buzz you get out of it, right? And it's, yeah, it's it's not that black and white, I don't think. No. <laughs> I mean, normally when I do a talk, I like to just go and like go for a walk or be by myself for a bit. Mm. But yesterday I did the last, well, I did two talks, one in the morning and then one was the last slot of the day. Yeah. So I went from doing a talk there, so I was tired from that anyway. Then it was straight back to the hotel and then straight into like, you know, one of the event parties yes. that we had to attend. Yep. And by the end of that, I was just like an absolute oh, yeah. zombie. Because you've got to be on the whole time. Yeah. And it's, it's all nice going to conferences and presenting and stuff, but it's there's a lot of lonely time in a hotel room, you know, some hotel room somewhere. Mm. And there's a lot of pressure on, hey, i got to be social and do the thing with everything, right? Well, because we're, we're expected to mix with the attendees yeah, and, I want and, to. and be present. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, for sure. I have no problem doing that, but it, it is tiring. So, yeah, I mean, I have this conversation with quite a few people. They're like, oh, you get to go travel and do all this. It must be like being on holiday all the time. So, no, it's actually really hard work. <laughs> it's not holiday at all. Um, it's, it's, so I've been away for almost three weeks when I come back right. um, with you know 12 hours in Melbourne where I got to see the family in between. And mo I've had half a day in Ukraine to walk around and I had have, there's been no time here, I'll have a day tomorrow. So it's probably two days in three weeks where you right. don't have to do something. Um, but then you have the added pressure, you still got your daytime thing yeah. that you have to do at the same time, possibly. So you still work on that. And um, yeah, conferences are, are great fun, um, but it's it's not a holiday. That's an interesting point, actually, because I guess when you're working for yourself, I mean, because I work for myself, I've got the freedom that I can just get up and go to any conference. I don't need to ask anyone permission to That's do right. it. But I guess now that must be a different conversation. It is. Have. So it's it's always pros and cons. So you have to pay for your own time. Mm -hmm. If you choose to go to a conference, well, you still got to make a living while you're there, essentially, yeah. right? Whereas if I ask with Clagura, like last week when we were in at Marshall of Ignite in Florida, um, that was the company saying, hey, you need to go. Or it could be me asking, say, I want to go. Then it's on company time. Yeah. Um, so yes, I need to ask permission to go, or I could take holiday and go. You know, there's that option as well, which I probably wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, 
but it also gives you the freedom of saying, hey, I'm, I'm still being paid while I'm here. I don't have to worry about suddenly fulfilling this other client need or uh, chasing the job or replying to this thing or whatever it is yeah. that you would normally have to. So d- yeah, pros and cons, definitely. Um, there's not a perfect perfect solution, but it works. I like conferences. I probably won't do anyone, any of them for the next six months though. <laughs> okay, so you're going to take a bit of time out yeah. from doing that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's reasonably straining doing it. And I have other stuff I need to focus on. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got one more event this year and that's it. So yep. I'm off to Sweden some point in November, near the end of November. Yep. And that's it for a bit. Yeah, I do have, about a month. I have one event in November, but it's in Melbourne. Yay. Cool. <laughs> so, which doesn't happen that often. So, but that's it. Um, so that's, coming back to the whole freelance thing, yeah, you get a lot of freedom. You don't have to ask anyone necessarily but you are the only one that pays your bills as well. So yeah. it's, it's all pros and cons. Cool. Mm. So if you could give some advice to anyone who's looking to either go freelance or set their own business up based on what you know and uh-huh. what you've experienced so far, what advice would you give someone starting new? Um, well, there's a couple of things, definitely. Uh, one is have a buffer financially. Yeah. Make sure that if you don't get paid for too much, you can still eat. Mm. Right? That is... And I would imagine most freelancers would say that. Like it's you've got to have something that you can draw on, because it goes up and down. It really goes up and down. And then uh, sometimes you might work seven days a week. You do an eighty-hour week because the work is just there. You you can't always just choose not to because you don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. Right? Yeah. If you are working in that way, um, so definitely have a buffer. Make sure that you have some sort of stability because there you might have a family. There might be people that depends on you um, that's important yeah I guess it's the older you are or if you have more commitments like children and a mortgage that, yep. that becomes even more important it does it? yeah um, and that's why I kind of understand when people gravitate towards a full-time role because it makes it easier um, and it certainly did it's taken you know some of the stress away as well you don't have the same potential earning potential because you're now locked into a certain salary um, but at the on the other hand you know when the next paycheck is coming so you got to sort of get the right things yeah. out of whatever it is you choose to do um, and then the other thing for freelancers is just don't be a jerk right well that's like generally in life to be honest it's all about the win-win that i've found this time and time again if you're a freelancer and you talk to someone you haven't talked to for the first time say if you're a ux designer or you're a developer whatever it is that you do the very first time you meet someone make sure they get value yeah so it might be that you give them some advice on, hey, have you tried this new tool that'll save you some or whatever it is that you can do to give them value straight up because immediately it puts them on the positive. Okay. Right? Don't charge them for it. Just say, hey, this is, you know, I love what you're doing. Here's how I can help. And then hopefully you come to you know, the forefront of their mind when they're... Yeah, and if you don't, well, it was never meant to be, right? Yeah. But if you do that every time, not only is everything more positive, it's a much happier experience because you also get to actually do some work while you're there. Yeah. Um, but most people will remember that by far. And I've had clients come after a year, come back and say, hey, now we're ready. And we really like the thing you did or whatever it is, right? Okay. You never know where these things are going to take you. But if you treat everybody as if they were going to try and rip you off, that's exactly what they're going to do. Right. Um, so that's the other piece of advice, I guess, in, in, um, and then leverage. If you're on your own as a freelancer, leveraging someone else's advice, someone else's time, someone else's expertise is really, really critical. Um, so do you mean like delegating? Yeah, sort of delegating, but also 
what you have as a, you know, when you freelance for yourself, you only have a finite amount of time, right? So if you get on, put on a project and there's a part of it that you might not know how to do or you might not really, it doesn't fit with your capability maybe, hey, just subcontract some of it out. Leverage someone else's capability. Pay them okay, well yeah. to do that, but you deliver the product, right? For example, uh, or it could be that you have, um, oh, what's a good example? You, um, it could be that you just, Use someone else's um, work essentially. So leverage could also be in you know use the right frameworks. That's another way of leveraging code. Um, just try and be as efficient as you can because it's only you that has that time. Right? So not reinventing the wheel effectively. You're that too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and if someone has an expertise in something, find a way that you can use their time and their energy based on some sort of win-win scenario. Hmm. Leverage other people's work. Leverage other people's time. Um, because you'll get achieve you'll achieve a lot more, and they will get much more out of it as well. Right. right? Um, if you try and do everything yourself, you're just going to sit in the corner and rock silently. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it can get frustrating. Um, so it could be like one of the t- projects I just kind of half finished. Um, there was a bit of it that was had to do with Bootstrap. Okay. Very specific now, and I was using Bootstrap with Kendo tools from Telerik or Progress. And they were constantly stepping on each other's toes in the CSS. And I'm like, I could not get things to line up in this one particular thing. So I have a friend that's an absolute whiz on the UI front. And he just looked at it for about half an hour and went, oh, yeah, you know the border box property on something, something? Yeah, the other thing is going, I'm like, oh, right, okay. And I, I can't remember, I think I ended up buying him a coffee or a case of beer, or whatever it was, right? But it's just, I would have spent 12 hours trying to not fix it. Right. Because I have no idea where to start. So if you, you know, you got to, you you have to acknowledge the things you can't do. And then. So ask for help. Ask for help. Yeah, ask for help when you need it. Yeah, as well. Absolutely. Mm. That's great. Thanks for for coming (laughs) along to talk to us about that. It's, It's an interesting story. So, you know, sometimes you do need to make decisions about where you're going to go. And that may, you know, be going from freelance, working for yourself back into full-time employment. Yep. It's weighing up those pros and cons and looking at the benefits. It, not just that, but also what what is your long-term goal? What are you actually yeah. wanting to achieve? And what is the right tools and path to get mm. there? And for me, it was like, I need a new platform that I can build my brand on and grow on and do amazing content. And that, so. that, that to me makes total sense because I mean, the stuff you've done for Pluralsight, it's still there just because you're not actively working with Pluralsight anymore. Yeah, yep. Those 28 courses are still there. They're still, they're still, there. They're still generating revenue. Oh, yeah. Even the Windows Phone testing and error management course. Oh, you're that one guy who owned a Windows Phone. <laughs> <laughs> that still has one hour every month. Someone's watching it. I know. Really? It is completely 100% irrelevant now. But someone watches it. But there'll be companies out there that still have a Windows Phone rollout and they're going to sweat their assets as long as possible. So probably, they'll, they'll, they'll still be developing for it. Yeah, there'll be something. So <laughs> I, I think legacy legacy software for legacy platforms is where the, a lot of the money is. Sometimes. Oh, if you're a Cobalt developer now, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to go and write myself a new boat. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's no, no, none of them left, so. Well, maybe there's your next uh, business venture, Cobalt <laughs> developer. Cobalt.net. Oh, they used to have a nickname. Was it Card Wallopers back in the days when it was uh, pun- when it was punch sure. cards? Yeah. <laughs> Little use of spit of trivia there for the yeah. computer scientists listening. Yeah. Well, Lars, thanks for a lot. That's been really good. No so problem. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> on the internet. On um, the internet or in life. Well, I'm just me everywhere. So if you use LarsClint.com, that's Clint with a K. 
um, or lastly on Twitter or you know, anywhere, LinkedIn, um, yeah, the articles I've written, it should all come up with that. Okay, okay. For Google Bing, that, that's probably the easiest way. Google Bing. Google Bing. <laughs> You're that one guy who uses Bing as well. <laughs> I do once in a while. Because um, I, I just like new technology, so I fiddle with things and sometimes Bing is involved in that. Yep. Fair enough. Microsoft guy to the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Lars. That's been great. Excellent. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Okay, so... Again, thanks to Lars for taking the time out to record the interview and sort of being very honest as well. So I'm very grateful for him sharing his story because, you know, a lot of times when we do podcasts like this and, you know, other, other podcasts as well, they always talk about kind of the good side and yeah. you know, how everything's a success. But sometimes, you know, things might not necessarily go the way you want and you decide to go back into employment. I mean, with Lars, I mean, he, the opportunity he's got now with his new company at Cloud Guru is obviously it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think as you know, if I was offered a you know my dream job, I don't think I'd. T- I'm not wedded to the idea of being an entrepreneur. You know, where yeah. I can never go and work for somebody else. You know, if an opportunity arose, you know, you, you've got to look at all the different options, haven't you? I think you can't say one's better than the other. You know, it depends, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and there's lots of people been lured back into work by if their dream job came up. You know, if they're doing their own thing, but then their dream job came up. You know, if it was like designing rockets with um, what's Elon Musk company? What's it called? Elon Musk uh, rocket. Elon, Elon Musk space. Yeah, SpaceX? space. Yeah. yeah. Say, for example, your dream was to build space rockets, and then you were working for yourself, and then all of a sudden a job came up at SpaceX. You might think, oh, I'll go for it. You know, I, I still can't believe that there's floating around in space as a Tesla car with, <laughs> with a dummy of Elon Musk sitting. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity for Lars. I mean, they're Cloud Guru is a much smaller company, so he's actually in at a in at a time where he's actually going to sort of grow and build with the company. So yeah, yeah, which is uh, brilliant. So thanks, Lars. Okay, thank you. Sounds like a nice guy. Okay, so on to our recommendations. So uh, Kevin, what, what do you want to recommend this month? Uh, this is something I've been listening to to recently. Another podcast. It's called Build Your SaaS, and it's it's quite interesting. It's uh, two guys, Justin Jackson and John Buda, and they're sort of building a SaaS product, and they've been building this year this year, and they sort of Go into detail about all the kind of struggles that they're having. It's, it's quite open and honest about what it is, what it means to build a product in 2018. Um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it actually because I, I kind of obviously doing some of the, some of the similar sort of things at the, at the same time. So it's sort of see what I'm doing in parallel to what they're doing. So it's just really really interesting. I think I think you had a look at it and you were quite keen on on checking. Yeah, yeah, out. I want to subscribe to it. Um, but yeah, and no, I think it's it's well worth a look. Um, so it's yes, yeah, build your SaaS podcast. I think half I think half of my podcast playlist is ones you recommend is it oh god i'm <laughs> taking your time up so it's all your fault no it sounds really good so i'm gonna i'm gonna subscribe to that and i suggest everyone else does too yeah yeah check that out so my recommendation is actually a piece of hardware this time and it's something i bought recently so in this modern connected day you know power is the most important <laughs> yeah, thing with, yeah. um, with a lot of these sort of power banks and batteries and i came across a new one it's called the rav power usb-c Power delivery power bank. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Very mouthful. But it's a twenty-six thousand eight hundred milliamp battery. Um, but the thing I like about it is it supports USB-C power delivery. Ah, uh, okay. Which means the USB-C port on it can output at thirty watts, which means I can recharge and power my laptop when I'm on the go. Oh, that, yeah. That'd be so handy, I had a, an Anchor battery before, which is the same power as it was twenty-six thousand eight hundred milliamps. Okay. Yeah. But um, it didn't output enough wattage to fully charge a normal MacBook Pro. Okay. Yeah. Whereas this one does, which is absolutely invaluable when I'm on the road. So as an example, yesterday I had to go see my accountant. So I went to work in a coffee shop in the morning 
Ah, okay, there, there wasn't yeah. a power outlet where I was working, so my battery drained down to about 30%. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Sung my laptop in my bag, plugged it into the battery. You know, by the time I finished at the accountants, went back to the coffee shops, did some more work. It's fully it, charged. It's fully, fully oh, charged. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. So that was that was really useful. So I've put a link to it in the show notes. Um, the other good thing about it as well, is I'm, yeah, I'm actually pointing at it because I've got it on the desk now. So <laughs> yeah. we're powering the recorder with it. It's got two inputs. It's got a micro USB input and um, USB C. So you, uh, you, can, ones, you yeah, can power yeah. it, you can charge it from both of those. But if you plug both of them in, it will charge in half the time. Oh wow! Okay, so you, yeah. can, so you can fully recharge it in about four hours. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, really I must good. get something like that for my laptop. Oh, just get a new laptop with a better battery in it. It's yeah. <laughs> for me next, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, because I travel quite a lot. You know, you could be stuck in airports. Oh, for, like, yeah, flights yeah. And all that. So, so, so uh, last, yeah, like torrent overkill. Things. I bought two of them. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> so they're, they're not that bad. heavy. They're quite light compared to the battery. The same kind of batteries. Yeah. Of the, same power? Yeah, they look good, yeah. So I can keep one in my uh, If I was travelling, yeah. I'd, I'd, I mean, I don't travel so much, but yeah, if I was travelling, I'd, I'd definitely get something like that. I'll put one in my laptop bag and one in my uh, hand luggage bag. Ah, cool, cool. And then I've got all the power. Yeah, that you need, yeah. Great. Uh, also asked Lars for his recommendation as well. So okay. uh, over to you, Lars. The, the thing I recommend is, now that I'm in the Azure space, I've learned that the Azure CLI is king. Okay. So there's different ways of, of working with Azure, different tools. One of them is the portal. Um, I always say to people, treat that as if it's read-only. Don't do anything in the portal. Because what happens is that, well, there's a few different reasons, but the mainly is that the portal changes. So they move your cheese, essentially, right? They move things around, they redesign it, they yeah. do that a lot. And by they, I mean the Azure portal development team uh, or product team. So the Azure CLI is the command line interface for Azure, which is an install. You can use it in Bash on Linux, if that's what you want. Bash on Windows, if that's what you want. Um, you can use it in PowerShell, or you can even use it in the browser, which is okay. kind of cool. So you can go to shell.azure.com, and that will give you a shell in the browser. Exactly like running PowerShell. You can choose between PowerShell and Bash. And the reason I recommend this always is that this is there's a command line. You type everything, which means it doesn't change. The command is always the same. You right. know, creating a resource group is, you know, AZ for Azure, group for resource group, you know, create for create. It's very straightforward once you get a little bit into it. The, the second reason is that you can then, if you write everything, you can script it. You can't script the portal, but you could, <laughs> but with macros and stuff, right? But, but, uh, the right Microsoft moves buttons around, that's not going to be a very good idea. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so you can script things, which means you can automate things. But it also means you can check things into source control. Yeah. Right? So you can version your things, your scripts. And that is just so powerful and it makes a lot of sense. So that's my recommendation. Um, if you work with Azure, don't ever use the portal. So it's a recommendation for our more techie. I guess, I guess. Te 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 techie yeah. nerd listeners. But I'm a techie nerd, so. Great, thank you. <laughs> cool, great. Thank you, Lars. So, and that concludes another episode. Okay, well, that's a goodbye from me then. Yeah, so. In our next episode, it will be our Christmas episode. So we're, okay. we're currently thinking through some fun things that we're going to do for the Christmas episode. Yeah, I want to see like, some fun games. Um, so are we allowed to say what we're thinking about doing? No, or? I'll just leave it as a surprise. Surprise, yeah. So it'll be a fun game. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I, I may have to order in some Santa hats and mince pies. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> get into the spirit. Yeah. In that case, we'll get a bottle of sherry as well. We'll get the whole hug. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah don't, do. don't, don't drive on that, though. Oh, God, I have to get the train, I think. <laughs> Great, so thanks a lot, everyone, and we'll speak to you soon. Okay, cheers, bye.